The time is 9 o'clock, and you are listening to CHMA 106.9 FM. Hello and welcome to a special holiday edition of Tantramar Report on CHMA 106.9 FM and chmafm.com. Today we talk with Memram Cook Tantramar MLA Megan Mitten and take a look back at 2023 and ahead to what 2024 might bring. Here's that conversation. Megan Mitten, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. And Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) You too. (laughs) So another year is coming to a close uh, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to sort of look back on on this past year and talk about some of the highlights. You're the green health critic and the housing critic. Um, I wanted to maybe just start talking a bit about housing if we could and and what stands out for you for, you know, either the challenges or the progress that we've made in the province um, on the housing file this year? So housing has continued to be a very um, important issue in our region as well as across the province. Uh, what stands out to me is that um, the the rent cap was lifted in January and I saw the impact that that had on people. Um, and so I've continued to advocate for there to be a rent cap. We need to protect the affordable housing that we have. Um, something that the Greens were pushing for and that the government um, listened to was to create a minister for housing. So we have one now. And to uh, actually re um, reinvigorate the... Um, housing and B Corporation, which um, which had basically just sat idle for decades. And so um, while certainly there's a lot more to be done, and I, I'm urging government to invest more in public housing, um, I'm meeting with the minister and the people in Housing and B to advocate for, to make sure there's housing in rural areas, specifically in Tantramar, in Straight Shores, in, in Memram Cook. And um, we need to make sure that nonprofit and cooperative housing uh, have access to the financing and the support they need. Uh, so, so it's something that there's not a, a silver bullet solution. However, there's things we can do to move faster. And again, bringing in a rent cap to protect the affordable housing that exists would help tenants right now. So, um, I I have seen a bit of progress, and and uh, I also think that it's not fast enough, and it's not good enough yet. Do you have any sense of whether you know a rent cap sort of seems to be off the table as far as the the PC government is concerned? Do you have any sense that you know into twenty twenty four that that there there might be a softening there, uh, given we've we've had a year for this sort of this uh, kind of adjustable cap that people can apply for. I mean, landlords are still not supposed to be increasing rents more than inflation, right? Um, But it's kind of a thing that tenants need to take on themselves and and sort of fight their landlords on, which many tenants are not really willing to do. Um, do I mean, I guess, yeah, do you think that there's any political chance in 2024 that we might see a rent cap come back? That's a good question. Uh, I I don't know because this government uh, has been so unpredictable. Even when they brought in the rent cap last time, it was clearly last minute because the the civil servants didn't even know it had happened uh, until it was like being announced in the legislature. So um, so 
So who knows what they'll do? Uh, I'm urging them to do this to to protect the affordable housing that we have. We've lost um, over 8,600 affordable units in New Brunswick um, over the past several years, and and so this is this has got to be a priority. Um, clearly, what they're what they have put in place doesn't work, and it's even been challenged in court. Um, so uh, they they need to to go back to what was working uh, and and build housing and uh, while they're while the rent caps in place and and create more housing because the population has gone up but we need it's not just a housing crisis it's about affordable housing because um it's it disproportionately impacting certain people hmm. um yeah and in sackville uh there are there's some small small developments with nonprofit housing. We have a housing co-op here, which actually is pretty, pretty big housing co-op. If you think about it, about 20 units, I believe in the Marshwinds co-op. And then we do also have a nonprofit housing association that, uh, that has, I think four units. Um, is there a chance for, you know, we see, we've seen like a lot of big movement from the federal government and about, you know, sending money to, to housing projects. And it's it appears to be going to the cities. Do we have, is there a mechanism for, for rural places like, or more rural places like Sackville and Dorchester and all, all these areas to get some of that off-market, non-profit housing that's, that's not going to be tied to housing sales and skyrocketing housing prices? That's certainly what I'm fighting for, to make sure that it doesn't all go to cities. It is important that it is uh, spread out across the province. Um, we know that there are people trying to, to stand up projects, uh, you know, cooperative and nonprofit projects, but it is uh, such a labyrinth, quite a maze, trying to go through uh, all of the different, um, you know, the bureaucracy. And a lot of the people that end up doing these types of projects are volunteers. And we need the, the system to be easier and more accessible. And we need, um, we also need government to build more of their own units. They're only building 380 for the whole province over, I think it's like a four-year period. Like, that's absolutely not enough. One of the last numbers I heard for the number of people waiting on the MB housing wait list was like 12,000. Like, it's just such a, an underwhelming response that we keep seeing uh, from government. And so it's just, again, not good enough in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Speaking of not good enough, let's turn to healthcare. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, you know, this is another, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in, in, in the province in terms of uh, things slipping. There's, you know, shortages of workers all over the place. Healthcare is, is one of those areas where it's, it's really prominent. Um, and it's, it's, it's in surgery backlogs. It's in primary care. It's in like shortened hours at ERs. Um, we, we still, uh, still at the Sackville ER have, have those drastically reduced hours that got implemented, um, you know, in, well, was it 2021 or yeah. Um, so that's two years now that we've had those reduced hours. Um, 
what's going on in healthcare and is there hope? Like, is there glimmers of hope? Maybe that, maybe that's what we should turn this, turn this around and give us, give me one glimmer of hope. And, and then, you know, what are, what are your focus areas? Or, I mean, I guess we're supposed to look back, look back on this year, but also give me a glimmer of hope looking at 2024. So you're absolutely right. Um, you know, so many challenges around, you know, health, human resources around different people. Um, it has been a challenge um, across the province. It, it's not new, unique to our area, but it doesn't make it easier for the people living in our area to know that it's not just us. Um, so, you know, what I find really frustrating is that the government, and this isn't unique to the conservative government, we've seen liberal and conservative governments not listen to what healthcare workers are saying. And for so long, they've been ringing alarm bells and saying there's going to be a shortage of nurses. There's going to be shortages in healthcare. Uh, we need to have plans. And no one listened. And right now, they're still not listening. The nurses are saying we need retention bonuses. Newfoundland has done that. PEI has done that. Nova Scotia has done that. But New Brunswick hasn't. And so it's, we're not being competitive. Medical radiation technologists, they need to be paid on par with their counterparts in the other Atlantic provinces. Like this government won't, the health minister said he won't even meet with them. He doesn't have time. So, you know, and they won't do retention bonuses. So um, it's just really, really frustrating and un- completely understandable why healthcare workers say they feel disrespected, they don't feel valued. And so that's really what needs to happen is to be valuing and, and respecting them and listening to them. Um, in terms of this region, um, you know, one of the key things that we've seen happening is doctors um, closing their practices, leaving their practices, and maybe even moving to another position or still still practicing in another way, but people losing their um, primary care practitioners. And so that is a major challenge. Um, I um, did have something unprecedented where Horizon agreed to come have public meetings with a public Q&A. And so they came in July and in October, um, and they're going to come back in the new year. So um, I'm proud to help create a bit of an accountability mechanism and and more direct communication. Um, And when I heard about doctors leaving their practices uh, earlier in the year, I spoke with Horizon and, and I know other people, um, you know, the Rural Health Action Group, for example, other people have, have spoken to Horizon and, and we said, we need a, sta- a stopgap. We need something in place. And so there is the new clinic in Tantramar, but it's very limited in what it's doing so far. And so that needs investment and that needs to be expanded. We need to ensure primary health care for people. This is essential for so many reasons. Um, and then we need physician recruitment to make sure our ER is open all the time and not just during the day. Because, um, th- again, that makes a big difference in people's lives. So, um, so we did see um, this new clinic open in Tantramar, but it's not you know, going uh, at full scale yet. And so my hope is that that's where it's going to go. And and that's what we need to happen. We need to have a team-based clinic here serving the people in this region, um, as well as 
um, more more support in terms of healthcare workers like a nurse practitioner in um, Port Elgin for straight shores. Um, when uh, you know New Horizon was here twice, as you mentioned, and the, the second time they were here, there was a, a, a certain amount of confusion from people uh, who really wanted to talk also about NB HealthLink, which is not something that Horizon is doing, which is a, another uh, sort of stopgap primary care um, measure being run by MetaV. Um, you have mm-hmm. talked about the the role of MetaV. Uh, with some concern. Um, you may have even made motions about it, I'm, try, I'm trying to recall. But what mm-hmm. is your concern with MetaV and, and how do you see them playing a role that uh, in, in you know, how primary care gets delivered? Because, you know, certainly NB HealthLink was quite useful to people, especially at first. I don't know how it continues to play out now that they have tens of thousands of patients registered there. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, w- what are your thoughts on, on MetaV's role? And my understanding is that even people who who are signed up with HealthLink are are having trouble accessing care because it's it's busy, um, too busy for for them to make many appointments. So my concern with MetaV, and it's not only MetaV, but it's other uh, you know corporatization um, in healthcare that's creating profit, and um, is that continually government after government are giving, often without an RFP, without a tender, um, giving pieces of the healthcare system over to MediV to manage. And we saw that with extramural. We've seen it with Ambulance New Brunswick. And I'm certainly not criticizing the workers, you know, the nurses, the paramedics. They're doing their best within a challenging system. And, you know, they're saving lives. What I'm talking about is corporations being able to profit off the healthcare system. Why couldn't these health link type clinics have been within the regional health authorities? Um, because also what's happening with health link is they're recruiting uh, healthcare practitioners away from like horizon and vitalite. So that it, it, by creating, um, you know, more privately managed healthcare in this case, it's, it's competing with the public healthcare system. And that's one of the, the dangers. And so I actually did table a motion that we debated recently to, um, and again, I'm not talking about um, closing down doctor's offices because they're small little corporations. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about large corporations managing healthcare and making a profit off of it when that money could, could be staying within our public healthcare system instead of competing with it. And so, um, yeah, the Conservatives and the, the Liberals um, voted down my motion, um, but it would have um, called on government to, to halt the privatization of management of our healthcare system and to look at bringing um, things, make a plan for bringing things like extramural back under the public uh, system. Um, so I, it can get a bit... <laughs> tricky to talk about, but I think it's actually really important that we pay attention to what's happening because it's not just MetaV. We're seeing it um, in a lot of different parts of our healthcare system. Okay. All right, Megan. Uh, Now, uh, there's lots to talk about that we could talk about this year. We're running low on time. So I want to throw it over to you and, and like looking back on this year, um, what are some of the the highlights out maybe outside of housing and healthcare that that uh, that you think are worth remembering and noting now? 
now that we're reflecting mm-hmm. back? Yeah, well, I'll think back to some things that maybe weren't so great and then try to end on a more positive note. Sure. Um, so beginning of the year, yes, the rent cap was lifted. Um, there were attacks on French immersion. Um, although success, people stood up for it. And so they've, that's at least been halted. Um, there were by-elections. And uh, actually, I'm proud the Greens came in second in the three by-elections. Um, unfortunately, in June, uh, and May and June, there was an attack on non-binary and trans youth um, in the province in terms of their rights. Uh, and that's ongoing and being used as an electioneering thing. And we almost went into an election. There was even a bus wrap. The PCs were ready to go. Higgs was ready to go. And we didn't go into an election. I think it'll probably be in the spring. Who knows? And then just in December, um, the government passed a law that breaks collective agreement with multiple uh, QP locals, with multiple unions, um, which breaks their charter rights. So that is so disheartening. And I won't end on that note. <laughs> um, I already talked about the health care care clinic being opened and horizon agreeing to come and speak directly with people here um i'm proud of having um had a motion that created hearings to hear from experts on renewable energy and on energy efficiency to help inform government about um how we can do better on that and to address climate change and help people reduce people's costs um david coon leader of the green party uh we had he tabled a, a bill to create paid sick days to ensure everyone has them and the government uh, has taken it on and is actually consulting on it right now. So I'm hopeful to see actual paid sick days um, in the future. Um, we just tabled an environmental rights bill that would uh, protect uh, the right to a healthy environment for everyone. So clean air, clean water, you know, to be able to live free of toxins in our soil and our food and everything, uh, protect our health. Um, the government refused to release their midwifery report, so I got it through an RTI, and I effectively released it by reading it into the record. And it said that the midwifery pilot is doing amazing, and we need to expand it. Um, and then Ambulance New Brunswick changed their system, and firefighters weren't able to be first responders, uh, you know, in Dorchester and Memram Cook and other places, and that has been reversed. And I'm, I'm proud, uh, you know, I advocated for that, and I know other people did too, mayors, firefighters. So that is a positive thing. We were able to get that changed. So there's a quick rundown of some of the, mm-hmm. some of the key things <laughs> yeah. that I remember from this year. <laughs> you covered a lot of ground. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the, geez, the firefighters, uh, the dispatching problem, um, you know, that was, mm-hmm. that was a big problem that no one was really paying much attention to. And uh, I was shocked and pleasantly surprised when it actually got fixed so that was that was a triumph mm-hmm. you mentioned mm-hmm. election Absolutely. you mentioned election 2024 i mean it's got to happen mm-hmm. by october at the latest we know because we have a fixed a fixed date um it, how how does your work change in an election year um, do, you know, do, do, are, are, are MLAs going about their work mostly in the same way they would any other time or it, do things really take on a different, a different tone? I would say the tone in the legislature is already different, uh, much more aggressive and trying to score political points. Um, 
I I would say it, I can't speak for other MLAs and other parties. For my part, I'm going to continue to work hard for the people of Cook Tantramar, and then it's like adding a part-time job on top of that to also campaign and prepare for an election. Um, and so that's what we kind of did in the fall, and we'll do it again uh, whenever whenever it happens. Um, n- knowing it's coming gives a bit more time to plan, but once the writ drops, then then it's uh, then it's a full time gig. <laughs> We're just just uh, getting out there and, and talking to people. But, you know, that's something that I try to do all the time. And, and I'm, I'm glad to always be, be uh, you know, at the ready to listen and, and help people. All right. Well, thanks very much, Megan. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Erica. Happy 2024. You too. That was Memram Cook Tanchamar MLA Megan Mitten in conversation on this holiday edition of Tanchamar Report. Stay tuned this week for more conversations with local leaders looking back at 2023. I'm Erica Butler. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Roy. You're listening to CHMA 106.9 FM, the voice of the marshes. All Tantramar Municipal offices, including Town Hall and Public Works, will be closed for the holidays between December 22nd and January 2nd. Despite the office closure, the Tantramar Veterans Memorial Civic Center will be open on December 22nd and 23rd, as well as from December 26th to the 30th. Streets and sidewalks will continue to be plowed, and public works emergencies can still be reported by calling 506-364-4960. That's 506-364-4960. Hi, this is Kylie, and you're listening to The Morning Show here on CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick. And thank you for that lovely introduction, Kylie. You heard recently a special holiday edition of your CHMA Tantramar Report, courtesy of Erica Butler. So thank you very much for those informative minutes. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy last week of 2023 and happy Thursday. Thursday already. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to the late morning show here on CHMA. I am your late morning host, JC, and you are tuned in to CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick, broadcasting live to all of you beautiful CHMA listeners from the third floor of the Wallace McCain Student Center. Now... The time is 9.22, and I have a little local weather update for you. So first off, I'm seeing on my screen, there is a freezing rain warning expected for most of southern New Brunswick, and it's overnight tonight until mid-morning. A mix of freezing rain and rain is expected But the precipitation will change to snow tomorrow afternoon. Um, But just so everybody is aware, uh, roads may become icy and slippery. So use caution, please, when necessary. All right, today and right now, currently 
It looks gorgeous outside. It's hovering right around freezing point. Cloudy today, clearing around noon with a high of plus three. 60% chance of rain showers and freezing rain overnight. Wind becoming northeast, 20 kilometers an hour overnight. A low of minus two with the temperature rising to zero by morning and a wind chill of minus four this evening. On Friday, tomorrow, rain or freezing rain changing to snow in the afternoon. Rainfall amount about five millimeters and snowfall amount about two to four centimeters. Temperatures steady around zero and in the evening, snow with a low of zero. On Saturday, snow with a high of plus two in the morning and in the evening, snow with a low of minus three. On Sunday, to finish off the weekend and to finish off 2023. How wild is that? In the morning, clearing with a high of minus one and in the evening, clear with a low of minus seven. And then on Monday, on the first day of the new year, a mix of sun and cloud with a high of minus four and cloudy periods in the evening with a low of minus 12. All right, that about does it for your local weather update. I will be back after a few awesome tracks for some local announcements. But in the meantime, here is Bells Larson with their song, Suitcases by the Door. Enjoy. Basking in early April sun, shedding your skin in more ways than one. You turned to me briefly, then asked me discreetly, How can I live for my past self? Them in a box upon my shelf, beleaguered by rust, covered in dust. Teach me the melodies of the songs you used to sing when you were seventeen. Are you still seventeen? hours north of Montreal We talked about losing and why it's confusing Leaving suitcases by the door And I wonder who it is you wait for The dead or the living, the selves you're forgiving Teach me the melodies Of the songs you used to sing Teach 